Hey everyone, this is Home Group Heads Up, a podcast at Calvary Bible Church. This is Perry Marshall, and I'm hosting this week because Jay Ewing is out, but I have with me a very distinguished man, Matthew Mashad. Matthew, how are you today? I'm doing well. Oh man, look at that. Oh, a, a standing ovation. That is incredible. Wow. I've never, got, never had that kind of applause from me before. Hey, this is a podcast, though, where we help you prepare for the weekend. We have a lot in store as we enter into the second half of Acts chapter 17. Hey, Matthew, what's going on in this second half of Acts 17? Paul is in Athens, which uh, for those of you that don't know the Greek world, Athens has historically been a seat of philosophers and uh, was the a lot of people say the founding of democracy and uh, so they valued logic and they valued knowledge and they valued yeah philosophy yeah uh, and Paul goes there after he is in um, Thessalonica and Berea and he got run out of those two cities and he jumps into now Athens and begins how he normally begins whenever he sees a new city, he goes to the synagogue and starts talking about Jesus on the streets. Cause that's what Paul does. Uh, but there's two groups of philosophers that overhear him talking the Stoics and the Epicureanism, Epicurean, Epi, Oh man, help me out here. Whatever they are, the Epicureans, Epicureans, yeah. uh, overhear him talking about, um, this new worldview, this new take that, that he, they haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. And so they say, Hey Paul, come with us. You're going to, you're going to educate us on your new philosophy today. Yeah. And they take him to, uh, the, I, I would, I would kind of consider or, uh, describe it as this place where all the philosophers gather and, and have discussion together, yeah. almost their university, but it's called the area Areopag. Oh man. It's Okay. Areopagus. Yeah, Areop. My my tongue is all tied up today. (laughs) It's okay. Good thing you're not in the middle of a podcast right now. Yeah, yeah, totally. One that I got a standing ovation for. Yeah. Well, you know, it's okay. Yeah, you're exactly right. So there's there's um, some pretty remarkable scenes here. First of all, when Paul shows up in Athens um, in verse 15 of the chapter, and actually we we see a transition how um, Paul goes to Athens and is waiting for Silas and Timothy to show up. And then while he's in Athens, it says in verse 16, Paul's spirit is provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. And um, the, the word provoked there can also just be understood as he's upset. He's angry even because of all of the idolatry that he sees there. And then just as you said, Matthew, he runs into these people in the marketplace uh, where he is apparently um, talking about the gospel. And he runs into these two groups of, of different philosophers, two schools of philosophy, we might say, Epicureans and Stoics. And um, these are two different groups of people who have some differences in what they believe um, we could, you know, get bogged down in the details of that pretty easily, but they both go back to um, schools of philosophy that have to do with um, 
just beliefs about what is ultimately true, what's ultimately real about life and about humanity, about death and about what the highest pursuit of life should be. And so you can, you can differentiate those a number of ways. In the sermon, you're going to hear Pastor Tom talk about that, and he will explain it. And we have all of this in the leader's guide, by the way. But he will explain as the, the Epicureans were advocating pleasure at all costs and the avoidance of pain. And he just summarizes it as a motto of get all you can. And with the Stoics, Pastor Tom's going to explain that as um, a pursuit of self-mastery is the highest aim of their life. And it was a more calculated form of a similar motto of get all you can in life. So the Stoics have this element of self-discipline integrated into their own philosophy. But in both cases, um, their philosophies stray significantly from the gospel message. And you see clues about that in the passage when um, it talks about Paul's proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection, and that's what gets the Stoics and the Epicureans curious, and in some cases uh, probably irritated with Paul because they accuse him of being a babbler. They accuse him of being somebody who's just spreading ridiculous ideas. So uh, we can kind of distill those down to though this idea of, I think, a worldview. Matthew, do you, what, what, how would you describe what a worldview is to people? Yeah, I so maybe well let's do this. I'll kind of break it down as as a practical understanding and maybe you can give us a definition sure. if that works for you. Great. Uh a worldview I think would practically be summarized as how you go about your life. What what um what makes up the the decision making, what's behind you in, in, in either subconsciously or, or consciously in, in your decision-making process, what values do you have? What, uh, uh, what's the object in life? What are, what are you working towards? Where are you going? Uh, and certainly the, the Stoics would have that self mastery worldview of that. That's their objective. They want to be masters of themselves. They want to be completely, in control, self-controlled of themselves, the Epicureanisms, their ultimate goal, pleasure, what you were saying, the get all we can. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a more technical definition is something we'll get to in just a minute. Um, Here's some like scholarly details. These are coming from a couple of commentaries, one by a guy named Daryl Bach, the other by David Peterson, but they are talking about the differences between Stoics and Epicureans here. and, And this is just like extra credit. You don't, necessarily need to get into this during your discussion time, but just in case you're curious, um, Daryl Bach explains that the Epicureans were like agnostic secularists. So um, agnostic belief is you, you don't know really whether a God exists at all. You're just kind of neutral on the question. And um, you believe that the culture, the world that we live in is one that God has no real contact with, that there's no there's no kind of um, divine purpose behind your life, and that's what secularism is. And, of course, if you aren't convinced that there is a God who even exists, it would make sense that you would be very secular in the way that you view the world. Um, the Stoics, on the other hand, were, were people who were 
more like pantheists who believe that God is in everything, that God is in the table. He's in the microphone that I'm speaking into right now. Um, and they argue um, a couple of things, but they think that the major theme is self-sufficiency and obedience in life. So they're oriented a little bit differently than um, their counterparts, the Epicureans, but both of them have a worldview that's very different from the Christian worldview. And so when we get into this idea of worldview, the, the reason we're even talking about this in the first place is because we think it really matters for how we enter into conversations in our own world today. Uh, one technical definition of, of a worldview is from a guy named James Sire, who wrote a book that's pretty classic in um, the whole discussion of what a worldview is. It's called The Universe Next Door. But Sire defines a worldview this way as a commitment a fundamental orientation of the heart that can be expressed as a story or in a set of presuppositions. Now there's a big word already, but just assumptions, which may be true, partially true or entirely false. But um, we people hold these presuppositions that we hold either consciously or subconsciously consistently or inconsistently. So we're, we are either aware of them or not, but all of those kinds of ideas about the world um, are aimed at the basic constitution of reality, and that provides the foundation for which we move, live and move and have our being, which is a quote directly out of Acts 17 here. But I'll just read that one more time. A worldview is a commitment, a fundamental orientation of the heart that can be as expressed as a story or in a set of presuppositions which um, that we hold about the basic constitution of reality. So, the kinds of questions that come up with a worldview are like, what what would you say is ultimately true about the universe? Is there a God? Is there not a God? Who are we as human beings? What is the ultimate purpose of life? What happens when we die? These are the kinds of questions that help us discover and define and think about what a worldview truly is. So Matthew I said just a minute ago, I made a claim that worldviews are, they matter to us now because worldviews are still something that are out in our culture today. How would you describe some of the worldviews that we we might run into? Yeah, I, th- I think one that we're still seeing, excuse me, I think that we're still seeing both Stoicism and Epicureanism today in different forms. And it might not be called that per se they might not be even considered that but this idea of uh i'm gonna be i'm gonna control what i can control the the world might be falling apart outside of me and i can't control that but i'm gonna control what i can control that's a very stoic idea and i I think it's not very hard to look around and, and see the the idea of i'm gonna get all i can get i'm gonna pursue uh joy and, and um, Epicureanism is also described as uh, hedonistic, which is this idea that joy and pleasure is your greatest pursuit in life. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> whether that's pursuing money or, or lake houses or mountain cabins or whatever it is, like that is the ultimate goal in life. Yeah. Both of those, uh, like you've been saying, are contrary to the gospel uh, and so we also have a Christian worldview in, I believe many of us would, would hold to that or, or at least try to hold to that. If I'm being honest in my own life and listening to Tom's sermon, it's making me th- stop and question of, am I really holding that Christian worldview completely? Yeah. 
besides those three, I mean, I think in today's postmodern or, or world that the the truth of whatever is good for me is good for me and whatever is good for you is good for you, that reality is causing there to be multiple worldviews popping up yeah. uh, that <clears throat> we need to be aware of that it might people might not just fit into some night night nice boxes of like oh you're a stoic or oh you're a christian or oh you're this it it is evolving into a much more fluid worldview state in today's world yeah uh, and i mean we we talk we talk about having a christian worldview and and tom talks about this in his message but increasingly our culture is shifting away from a christian worldview where we can no longer assume that people know the scriptures that people know uh, who, when we say Jesus, we can't assume that they know who we're talking about. We can't assume that they know he's the Messiah or we claim that he's the Messiah or even what that word means. Right. And that's really where we get into the application piece here. You're going to hear that in the sermon this weekend where um, Tom is going to use some different terminology, but among those um, he uses the phrase biblical illiteracy that's a that's a term that we can throw around a lot in the church, but um, I don't want to assume that you or the people in your groups actually understand what we mean by that term. So biblical illiteracy just meaning people are not familiar with the Bible. And we talk about that because there are assumptions that we can easily make, especially if we've been in the church for a number of years, where we just assume that the people around us understand the story of the Bible. We understand that the, we we assume that they understand the story of Moses or Abraham or King David or even of Jesus Christ, and we can sometimes make those assumptions um, and just leave people wondering, "What in the world are you talking about?" Because I've never even heard of what the Bible talks about. So we have to be careful when we talk to people about the gospel that we don't assume too much and just think that they know more than they really do. And this chapter is a perfect demonstration of that because we see Paul engaging in gospel conversations with some movers and shakers in the city of Athens, quite frankly. The Areopagus, where Paul's going to end up, is full of these people who are considered to be some of the prominent thinkers of the day. And Paul's going to stand in front of them and he's going to speak their own language back to them in order to present the message of the gospel to them. Major takeaway of all of that is just simply that Paul is willing to adapt his method even without compromising the message of the gospel. And um, it seems like that's what we need to learn how to do too, to grow in both of those abilities. First of all, to understand the gospel message, but then to understand how that gospel message can be communicated in more than one way, according to more than one method. Matthew, what might that look like in our day and age today? Yes. Uh, I think we can glean a lot from what Paul does throughout Acts. To those that know the Bible, he quotes scripture. To those that in Athens don't have a biblical worldview, he he presents the gospel to them in with logic and, and with saying this is who God is. These are the attributes of him and explaining it there. Uh, today, I think 
and I, I've been thinking more and more about this in today's world, uh, today's worldview of it's all relative. What is good for you is not necessarily what is good for me. Uh, but above all, I think authenticity is uh, valued in today's world. Mm-hmm. And so even if it's just telling your story, your testimony of, of what God has done for you is a powerful way that we can share the gospel message without compromising right. the message, but, but share what God has done for me. Yeah. Uh, we, we always ask, um, in fact, we actually just had some baptisms this past week. We baptized four people in Thornton, the first baptisms in Thornton. Uh, but whenever we do baptisms, we ask through, we ask three main questions. What was your like life like before Jesus? Uh, how did you meet Jesus? And how did that change your life going forward? And so you get to see this story of my life was this, uh, for me personally, it was uh, a legalistic view of, of life. And I thought God was a judge and, and he hated me. And then I met Jesus and I understood him to be love and forgiveness and acceptance of me for who I am. And that changed my life to want to love him and follow him and, and, that story is going to be much more effective in, in sharing the gospel with somebody than, Hey, let me tell you about Jesus in John three sixteen It says, uh, God so loved the world that he gave that whosoever believes in him should have, uh, will have eternal life. They don't have necessarily that context to bring that in. But if I tell them my story, that is a much more inviting way to right. share the gospel. Right. So both are important, right? Absolutely. Both, we need to Absolutely. have our story and then have the gospel story alongside of that and uh, can be a beautiful way to be able to, to communicate the good news about what God has done for us through his son. And so um, just a couple things to think about with the questions this week. First of all, there are some definitions that we included at the top of the leader guide uh, just to help you um, be able to understand yourself, but then maybe enter into conversation too with the people in your group about some of the terms that are going to come up in the sermon this weekend that don't really um, get defined. So um, those are pluralistic, syncretistic, and idolatrous, both describing the kind of culture that is in Athens and um, we could say is in our own culture today too. So look out for those. Um, one of the things to know about just this, the layout of the questions this week is that uh, Pastor Tom is going to end the sermon with four major takeaways. He first um, says three, and then he adds on the fourth one at the end. So um, there's an application question, question number eight, that includes those um, four different points of, or those four different takeaways, rather, pretty much verbatim. They're quoted on the um, set of questions. You can pick just one of them, for example, and talk about them. Um, talk about one of them, one of the four uh, in your group as an option for the application this week, but there are several other application questions there as well. So I am really excited for your conversations this week. I think it's going to be um, a great opportunity for us to talk about what kind of a method would will we use in talking to different kinds of people with different backgrounds, different beliefs, different assumptions about life. How will we talk to them about the gospel, the same gospel message, but perhaps in a different way? I would add one more thing in your discussions. 
the uh what tom talk tom throws out a lot of big words a lot of uh worldview type stuff even in our podcast today you got a little bit of that Mm -hmm. feel free to take time to slow down and make sure everyone's on the same page yeah Uh, that would be worth it doing and not necessarily you have to explain everything that we said today but it might be worth slowing down a little bit yeah don't get bogged down between the differences between Stoics and Epicureans, um, really they're just an example of different worldviews, different philosophies of the day. But the major point there is that Paul's talking to a diverse audience and he's talking to people who are very different in, the, in terms of their their set of beliefs, their worldview, if you will, that's very different from those of the people in this Jewish synagogue. And Paul's able to speak to both audiences about the same message. And that's a great message for us to take to heart this week as we think about Acts 17 and its relevance for our lives. We have encounters with all different kinds of people from very different walks of life. What will it look like for us to preach the same gospel message to those people even as we have to figure out creative ways to communicate to different audiences? So this is your home group heads up for this week. Um, Thanks for being with us. I think uh, a lot of people here really enjoyed it this week. Am I right? Wow. I guess I am right. Till next week, uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. And we look forward to being in touch with you all soon.